because it would suggest that I wasn't interested in you. Because smiling and turning your face towards someone when they speak to you is important because it displays a sense of trust. It displays that you are listening to the person. To frown and to turn away from them, well, that feels like rejection. And this is the case in this psalm, the psalm of lament, as the, the, David, as the psalmist David calls on the Lord to hear him, to seek his face and hear his cry. Psalm 27 is the first in a new series on the psalms of lament. As we look at Psalms 27, 42, 44, and 55 in the coming weeks. In Psalm 27, the themes of fear and forsakenness rise up out of it. And indeed, these are themes that rise up out of our lives too, don't they? The feeling of fear and the feelings of being forgotten. Being forgotten by the Lord. Yet we'll see how David deals with his fears and indeed how we can deal with ours. As he says, and we can say along with him, I shall not fear because the Lord will strengthen me. He will support me and he will save me. I shall not fear because the Lord will strengthen me, support me and save me. And so firstly, the Lord will strengthen me. The psalmist David wants to affirm his total reliance and dependence on the Lord, no matter what's happening. As he says from verse 1 there, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. The beautiful thing about the Psalms of Lament is that the psalmist isn't simply saying, I'm not afraid. He's saying, if this is true of who the Lord is, then why should I be afraid in my circumstances? As he says, the Lord is his light and his salvation. He is the stronghold of his life. Whom then shall I fear? And the obvious answer is no one. It's a beautiful response to the fears he faces and the inner turmoil going on in his heart and in his mind as he preaches truth to himself. Perhaps for us, we might ask the question from time to time in our lives, there's just so much chaos in the world. There's so much turmoil in the world. Does God really know what he is doing? Is he really in control of everything? To which we're reminded of the verses of God's power and sovereignty over the earth. And we respond, yes, yes, he is in total control of all the earth, of all the details of our lives. He is still on the throne. And we're not denying that we have fears and that we have worries. But we, we are assured that God is in control. He reigns and we don't. Praise the Lord. In verse 3 and 4, the, the language there is poetic in style. As the, the wicked are not actually going to devour him. It's metaphorical language. 
an actual army are not coming against him to personally besiege him. And you see that later as he speaks of his mother and father forsaking him. They haven't actually abandoned him. It only feels like they have done so. As David feels like the whole world is against him. And he feels like he has enemies wherever he turns. And because it's this poetic language, it's actually more relevant to our lives than less. As we may be going through a season of our life right now where we feel besieged and just battered by life. No matter where we turn, it just seems like we have adversity and trouble and almost like enemies around us. Perhaps we're going through an illness in our lives or the illness of someone else in our lives and we just feel very helpless. Maybe we're going through conflict at home, in our marriage. We want to have a peaceful home and yet it seems like we can't have anything but arguments. Maybe work is stressing us out and we struggle to keep up with the workload. We do one task only to be given three more. Or maybe we're going through a season of depression and we just can't see the clouds ever lifting. How do we respond in that? Well, just like the psalmist, we do not quit. We do not quit. He refuses to be shaken even when he feels totally overwhelmed by life. Even when he feels like an army is against him, he will not fear as the Lord is his stronghold. We will not fear because the Lord is our strength in times of trouble. He will strengthen me to persevere, as he says, and added to that, I shall not fear as the Lord will support me. The Lord will support me as the psalmist uses language about being protected and about being kept safe. As from verse 5, he goes on to say, For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Again, as the psalmist speaks using this poetic language, he says to the Lord that he will keep him safe. It's not to say that harm or illness or sickness or suffering will not come upon believers. That wouldn't make sense in light of the psalm or in light of the rest of the Bible. But it is to say that in moments when we feel like we face nothing but opposition and pain, that the Lord is the one that sustains us, that he is the one that supports us. As the psalmist says in verse 5, that the day in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. That the Lord will always be there for us in moments of trial, in moments of temptation. And the language David uses just reinforces how much we can depend on the Lord. As he says that the Lord will, will keep him safe in his dwelling, that he will hide me and can find shelter in his tent as the tent symbolizes the presence, the intimate presence of the Lord. That the Lord will set me on a, on a rock symbolizing that protection and safety and security. And even in those moments, even in those moments in his presence, David says that he will sacrifice with shouts of joy and make music to the Lord. It's a wonderful reminder that the Psalms are not like any other book in the Bible. 
The Psalms are a songbook. A book that was written to be read and to be sung, both in homes and in gatherings. Because as you read this psalm, David is clearly wrestling with his worries of the people in his life and the situations that he faces. Yet he also rejoices in the fact that the Lord is with him in everything that he does. In every part of his life, the Lord is with him. There is nothing that he does and no place where he goes that the Lord is not with him. And not only is the Lord with him, but he's surrounding him, hiding him, strengthening him, protecting him, supporting him, delivering him. And therefore, no matter his circumstances, he sings to the Lord. I wonder, is that your reality? In times of worry or anxiety, conflict, stress, fear, as you think of the words of the, of the Lord, as you speak truth into your heart, does it make you want to sing? It should. It should make you want to sing. Because of what Jesus has done, God is with you by his spirit. He indwells us. And that should lead you to the awesome wonder that God is with you. That God is with us. As we say at Christmas, Emmanuel. God with us. Therefore, whatever trial you may be facing, we make music. If we're able to sing, we do. We make music, we sing to the Lord. We can sing with a heavy heart, we can sing with a glad heart. But we know that we need not fear as the Lord will surround us. He will support us no matter what. As in times of trouble, the Lord will strengthen me. He will strengthen me. He will support me. And lastly, he will save me. The tone of the second part of the psalm from verse 7 is really dramatic. As from verse 7, David calls out to the Lord, saying, Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desires of my foes or false witnesses rise up against me spouting malicious accusations. In a heartfelt cry, David calls out to the Lord and pleads with him. He pleads with him to hear his prayer, to hear him and be merciful to him. Then there's a a call both for God to seek the psalmist's face and that David would seek the Lord's face as well. This is a heartfelt cry as he feels that the Lord has truly abandoned him that he has stopped listening to him. In his grief and in his anxiety and his fear, it feels to David as though God has turned away from him. And that's often the case, isn't it, when we're suffering, when we're grieving, that it feels like the Lord no longer cares, that he has turned away from us. 
that he has stopped hearing our prayers and his face is against us. And that in a sense, his heart has grown cold to us. And therefore, going through his feeling of painful abandonment, David calls on the Lord not to hide his face from him, that the Lord wouldn't be angry with him as he has helped him thus far. And so he pleads with the Lord to keep on helping him, to keep on shining the light of his face towards him and to hear him. He calls on the Lord in the second part of verse 9, don't reject me or forsake me by turning your face away from me. And we all know what it's like when someone in our lives doesn't want to listen to you. They literally turn away from you. They turn their head from you. They turn their face from you. They don't want to listen to you. And that might be the case for some people in our lives today as we we might be going through a very difficult marriage at the moment and our spouse just doesn't seem interested in anything we have to say. And so they painfully turn away from us when we speak to them. Or maybe we've got challenging children and they just turn their heads away from us when we try and encourage them or speak advice to them, thinking that they would know better. Or a boss who just doesn't listen to us when we try and speak to them, give them advice of some sort. Then in in verse 10 there, David uses the, the metaphorical language of that sense of being forsaken, even stronger, being forsaken by his father and mother. Yet sadly, for some of us, that is exactly what it is really like to literally be abandoned, to have that feeling of abandonment by a father or a mother or both, with the heartbreak and emotional drainage damage that that can cause. But there's also the reassurance there, as David says in verse 10, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. As because David is sure of the Lord's love for him, he calls on him in verse 11 to teach him and lead him, that he would follow in God's ways all of his life, that his heart would be attuned to the things of God and not the things of the world. Therefore, he asks the Lord, and we ask the Lord today, to teach us and lead us in every part of our lives. But you have to ask, well, how can we ask that? Most of us are not from a a Jewish background, and we're not King David as the king of Israel, so that we can apply this text directly to our lives. We can apply it, however, as we look at our own hearts and look at David's heart in verse 12 as David's final plea to the Lord is this do not hand me over to the desires of my foes or false witnesses rise up against me spouting malicious accusations because there was one king who was handed over to the desires of his foes there was one king who was given over to false witnesses who rose up against him There was one king who was handed over as the crowds spouted malicious accusations towards him. That is King Jesus Christ. He wasn't just king of the Jews, but he was the king of the whole world, the king of heaven. He is the king of glory who came from heaven and died a criminal's death 
on the cross. That he was forsaken on the cross. That the Father's face was turned away as he bore the sins of his people upon the cross. But on the third day he rose again and ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And so when we trust in Jesus, this prayer becomes our prayer. As we can join him as the true king in the line of David and look at verse 4 to say, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And so now today, for those of us who are trusting in the Lord Jesus, trusting in the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ, we can enjoy the truth that today we live in the presence of the Lord. Theologians call it corum deo, that is to live before the face of God. And therefore we can say, I shall not fear as I live before his face. I shall not fear as I live before his face. I shall not fear, as it says in one, uh, Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? Answer, nowhere. Because God is with you. God is with us. And his face is turned towards you. His face is turned towards you in your illness. His face is turned towards you in your anxiety. His face is turned towards you in your depression. His face is turned towards you in your loneliness. His face is turned towards you in the difficulties of your marriage. His face is turned towards you as you parent your children. His face is turned towards you as you struggle at work, as you struggle at home, as you drive your car, as you go shopping, as you walk your dog. The Lord's face shines towards you. Whatever we do, we live before the face of God. Therefore, the call is not just to try harder and read your Bible more and pray a bit more. No, it is a much greater vision. Because we live every day and every way before the face of God. We live in his presence. And so whether you're a plumber or a pastor, an evangelist or an engineer, a missionary or a mum or a mum who's a missionary, we live before the face of God. We live with him. As our whole lives should give glory to God. And therefore, we can live lives of integrity as God is always with us. He's always with us. It means that if your girlfriend turns to you and asks, are you nervous about meeting my dad? The answer is no, because I will, I will be who I am and not become someone I'm not. Because I am who I am and not someone else. Because I live before the face of God. As living before God's face helps us to live holy and happy lives as we live for our Heavenly Father's pleasure. 
Because his face is always turned towards us because of Jesus. His face is turned towards us. His kindness shines upon us and he smiles towards us. Therefore, we delight in the truth as it says at the end of the psalm in verse 13 and 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. We wait on the Lord and our hearts are strengthened. Our hearts are strengthened because we're confident that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the new creation. As we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and we'll see our Lord Jesus face to face. What a glorious day that will be. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you shine your, your smiling face towards us because of Jesus Christ, your Son, that gave his life for us, that we can come into your presence and receive your love. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to live in the truth of the fact that you are with us, that we live before your face each moment of the day. So we pray that you would help us to to live in that reality, to live in that truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.